0: So what if you're single, you're never alone in the single soul circle. Join us as we hear from singles who will inspire you and help you face the unique challenges and opportunities of the single life. I'm your host, Heidi Fry. I'm excited to have my life coach, Travis Stock, join me in the single soul circle. I met Travis when I attended Coel Simpson's Equus Coaching Retreat in California. I was turning 40, feeling a little midlife crisis, and I was intrigued by the concept of learning about myself through my interactions with horses. Travis was one of the coaches at the retreat, and I quickly found out that he knew the right questions to ask me and how to push me when I needed it. Since the retreat, I've been fortunate to continue to work with Travis, and I'm excited for all of you to get to learn from one of my favorite teachers. Thank you for joining us today, Travis.
1: Hi, Heidi. Thanks for that introduction. I love taking a look back at where we started our relationship and I'm so glad that we're taking this next step and continuing to share some of the conversations we've been having.
0: Thank you. So if you could start out kind of sharing a little bit more about how you decided to get into coaching.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, So it's one of those things where I couldn't have scripted it this way if I tried to script my life. I knew that I wanted to be in the helping professions most of my life, and I didn't really exactly know what that meant. And the closest thing I found for a while was social work, and so I went all the way through a master's program in social work and worked as a behavior coach with kids. I worked in family systems things, and child welfare was ma- the major part of my career. Working in a system that was a little on the punitive side and was not working with clients who were voluntarily there asking to make a shift in their life. They were sort of court ordered to be there. Um, I found that to be a bit frustrating and I felt like I wasn't necessarily helping clients in the way that I wanted to. At that same point, my personal life had hit a bit of a, a perfect storm um, and I was dealing with my own loneliness as, as a long-term relationship was falling apart, struggling with depression and melancholy and, um, feeling like my own life was out of control, and I happened to meet my what would become my mentors during that time. And there was the opportunity to start training as a life coach and seeing whether what if that pathway felt like a better way to support people, or a, at least a way that felt more in alignment with my skill set and who I am in the world. And so, I would say my own struggles being a, a single guy, and my own struggles being a single gay man in this world. Um, really what sort of pushed me into needing to explore what life coaching was and to get some coaching for myself. And then once I had a taste of it, I was like, hmm, I think I'm going to have to do that with other people and give that gift back. So
0: thank you for giving that gift of your coaching. I know I definitely appreciate it. And everyone here today will as well. And what are some of your coaching philosophies?
1: Some of the philosophies that I follow, one of the biggest lenses that I look at um, my clients through and the, that I try to support them through is balancing the masculine and feminine energies in each of us. I look at that as something that's very separate from gender, um, so men can have both feminine and masculine energies as well as women and anybody in the, in between in the gender non-binary, the gender non-conforming, in the trans community It's not about necessarily getting into this binary world. It's about talking about the spectrum. And most of us, I believe, are more comfortable on one side of that spectrum or the other. And yet, what I find is when people have a, a relationship to both the masculine and feminine and can choose that, they get to meet the moment that's being asked for them right now. They get to show up in a way that meets what life is asking from them in that moment. Um, So I always try to look at that balance and see if I can tease out what the weaker side is for somebody or the part that they feel less comfortable with and see if I can help strengthen that part so that they have access to both. I also really look at how um, the, the relationship we're having with ourselves the one, the internal relationship we're having often gets mirrored out into the outside world. So the outer world matches what is going on in our inner world. Most of us are so used to trying to change all the outside things that are in the way to try to make us feel better. But oftentimes if we turn inward and do the inner work, the outer world will start to change with that. So I really try to draw people into the fact that the relationship they're having with themselves is the only thing we really have control over and then the rest on the outside we have influence over but isn't necessarily something in our control um, I think one of the last things I say is sort of one of my philosophies is that with my clients is that the, the client is the one that's an expert on themselves as a coach I'm on the outside and I can ask some questions and I can offer perspective and reflections of what I see but ultimately my client has all the answers within them and it's my job to help pull out those answers, help them tease them out, help them explore and deepen their relationship to self so that they can really pull out their own answers to what's the life they want to create for themselves.
0: You are so talented at asking me the right questions. You're always helping me get unstuck. And I think it's a lot more valuable than just providing advice.
1: Yeah, I think that's my biggest role is to ask questions and to reflect back things that I hear. Because sometimes we we miss hearing what, are, what we're saying. And if I, ref, if I hold a mirror up to you and you're able to hear back what you say, you go, ooh, that, now that I've heard it that way, that sounds odd. Maybe I want to change that.
0: Those reflections often help me to see things more clearly and see the changes that I want to make in my life. So thank you for that. Having been single in the past and coaching singles, what are some of the biggest challenges you see that this group faces?
1: Oh yeah, this is one of those places where I have a lot of my own experiences with, plus working with others. And so some of the biggest patterns I see with this, with singles is internalized shame, um, judging ourselves for being single or unlovable or unwanted. Um, I think we often do a lot of comparing ourselves to others, um, which can cause a lot of havoc. We lack presence, um, meaning we're overly focused on our past failed relationships, or we're so worried about the future where we're never gonna find somebody we're gonna be alone forever. So we really can't be here present and connecting in the moment. I think that we become over identified with the fact that a relationship equals success. And I know you and I both have talked about how our culture constantly feeds us that message that we're not successful unless we're in a relationship and I love your blog posts about the three the trifecta of holidays that will bring all of that up with Christmas New Year's um, and uh, I think you said Valentine's Day Yep, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember the years.
0: Forget that one. (laughs) Exactly, Uh
1: I remember years of traveling in airports for holidays and being single, and being and really triggering a lot of really unhelpful thoughts about myself and some real big struggles. I think another thing that can often happen with singles is that um, there's some idealistic models that are taught to us. And we use those against ourselves to prove that we failed. For example, in my life, my parents are high school sweethearts. They met when my mom was like 14 years old. And so my brother and I had that modeled to us from the get-go that you're gonna meet somebody and it's gonna long last forever and they're still together. And now my brother and I are in our 30s and neither of us is married. And while I'm in a relationship now, it's taken a long time to get here. And so using that idealistic model against myself was challenging for a while. Some other things might be we're super externally referenced, meaning that we are comparing ourselves to others, seeing other people in their long-term relationships or looking at social media and seeing people's presentation of their relationship and not really seeing the full thing, but still using that against ourselves is why we've sort of failed for not having a relationship.
0: It can be easy to be on Facebook or Instagram and see all these happy couples and think that everything in their relationship is perfect, but we know that's not the case. And as singles, maybe we can also be a little more honest that we're not always on some great adventure and, you know, letting people know when we are having some tough times and maybe that'll open up for more people to be honest and vulnerable and sharing with others.
1: Yeah, which is is what I think you do so beautifully in the blog that you've created is, is sharing the more vulnerable stories um, and sharing the lessons that you've learned and creating a sense of community around that. That Because it, it, social media has been a really interesting addition to all of our lives. It's connected us all to each other in ways we couldn't have imagined. And yet, my what I hear from so many of my clients and what I have felt in my own self is, is that even though we're more connected in a certain way, we're also more isolated in others and feeling more depressed and more more comparison because we're seeing these snippets of people's lives that people are curating. Um, but we're not really seeing the realness. And so then we use that against ourselves. So I super appreciate the blog that you've put out there because it's helping to shift some of that narrative. And I, and I really like the creating community around a shared experience, the ups and the downs.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I think something you and I've talked about in, in past situations is, um, how we allow bad behavior from another person, because we're so interested in having someone near us that we're willing to put up with bad behavior and willing to have our boundaries crossed as a a way of trying to keep some level of connection with somebody. Does that resonate with you?
0: Yes, I've stayed in relationships out of loneliness and really wanting that connected feeling and then realizing that the connection isn't real.
1: And then I think the last piece that I would say around this is that we a, a single when you're single and when there's an unmet needs that are in there for you it can cause our attraction to be to people that maybe really can't meet our needs we There's a backlog of needs that actually blocks us from seeing the person that's in front of us. And we create a story of who they are. And so we get into these connections with people based on the story we've created in our head, not actually seeing the person that's in front of us. And so then we wonder why we've got a pattern of dating unavailable men, or we've got a pattern of of only getting so far in a relationship and then it failing. Um, And if we start to look at what are those sort of unmet needs or the shadow elements from our past that are there that are driving our attraction might actually be able to create different kinds of connections that are actually more in alignment with what we really want and the kinds of relationships we really want to have
0: I think it can be easy to start to get stuck on your checklist and starting to look at certain things like, okay, is the guy cute? Does he have a good job? Is he tall? And people tend to fall for someone based on these items rather than really looking at what is their character, getting to know them and seeing more what their values are and those important things. Yeah, it's
1: interesting how we're willing to get into relationships with people where they're not even aligned with the sort of values we have about relationships because mm-hmm. we're so focused on getting in a relationship and not being single. Um, and so that's, that's a lot of the work I love to support singles with is, is helping them untie what are the things that are driving their attraction or tr- driving them to get into certain relationships and see if they could create a different language set around that and a different alignment to their own values. Which then allows them to be in relationship with people that actually are aligned with that as well.
0: And you talked earlier in your coaching philosophies about the masculine and feminine energy. Let's delve into that a little deeper. Can you share even a little bit more about how you define those types of energy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I said before, I consider it separate from gender. Um, as a gay man, I do like I do want to honor the my community and and sort of the. The transformation that's going on around gender expressions gender identities um, and sort of tearing apart the boxes of the binary that have been created that we're so used to but the language of masculine and feminine when it comes to energies feels like for me it's the best I have right now to describe the spectrum that we're all on and that we all have at, that we all have both sets of energies into in us and everything in between it's just that oftentimes we get more comfortable in one or the other and we get more comfortable in one in the, than the other often either because it was, that's just what was modeled to us by our families, by our friends, the people around us, or we had a, a painful experience with one or the other. I know for myself, the masculine was often a little bit more challenging for me. It felt a little scarier. It felt a little less safe. And so I tended at different points in my life to pattern myself after the feminine Um, So we lean away from the one that we're kind of scared of or the one that's sort of hurt us. But to sort of give some words to describe the sides of the the spectrum, the masculine, I would say, some words to describe would be direct, forward-moving, incisive, power, focused. The masculine is very mind-based. It's very linear. It's a straight line. It's often solution-oriented and it creates individuation. It's sort of like the I am, I am the, uh, I'm an individual. I, I, have, I have a perspective and I'm gonna move towards it. Whereas the feminine tends to be more on the collaborative side. It's more focused on the connection between people. Um, it's more nurturing. Empathy is a big part of the feminine. Um, it's receptive in nature. Uh, it involves sharing instead of being linear, like the mascul- masculine It's a little more circular. Um, it's validating and it's instead of being solution oriented, it's more development oriented.
0: I think that's a great description. And I know for myself, I can see going into the different energy, you know, maybe with some of the work stuff being more in the masculine and, you know, not giving myself a break mm-hmm. and just pushing through on everything. And I'm in the feminine area more in dating and maybe not speaking up for myself as much. And I thought maybe we could talk about a couple of different scenarios where maybe someone's going a little too far to one side and talking about how you can balance that energy.
1: Absolutely. I love the examples you've already given. uh, As uh, when you were talking about in your work, you tend to swing into the masculine. Um, And I think that's a very common thing for most of us. And notice how that swinging into the masculine, it it isolates you. It feels like you are the only one that can do that work, the only one that can do it. You don't give yourself a break. It makes you a solo person fighting a battle almost. (laughs) Yes. And then the, on the dating side, it's like the need and the want to be in connection and collaboration and to be with somebody and, and how that's what you're looking for in terms of success. And how might you bring either of those sort of sections of your life into more balance? I think that was, those were really good examples that you just brought up.
0: So one of the scenarios, this would never be me, right? <laughs> 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 um, someone who makes themselves too available when dating or doesn't speak up for themselves so maybe they're moving things around on their schedule all the time to just make it convenient for the other person or maybe when they're talking about where are we going for dinner the other person suggests sushi and maybe the thought of eating raw fish just sounds terrible to you but you just say yes and you know, <laughs> this happens every time not saying there's not compromise but you're the person who's always kind of going along with whatever the other person wants
1: yeah yeah, I don't know anything about this one either. <laughs> um, so to me, in this example that you've shared, it, it comes across as, as more on the feminine side of things. It's more interested in the connection between the two people and it's more interested in, instead of asserting one's own perspective or um, position, it's actually about putting the, the connection between the two people as the most prominent thing. Yeah, and I think that there's wonderful power in in um, making compromises and there's wonderful parts about when you're establishing a connection with somebody to be flexible and to be open and then there's a point where it starts to tip into too much feminine and then what happens is then we become enmeshed with the other person we lose our sense of self in the process and we become more oriented towards kind of keeping that person next to us rather than actually developing a relationship based on two individuals who are really showing up with their own wants and needs. And so if I was coaching someone like this, I might try to support them in seeing what could the benefits be of showing up with more of a clear perspective or clear wants and needs. Or what would it feel like to step up and initiate something rather than wait for the other to initiate and then just agree to it? How has that shown up for you in the dating world?
0: I recently did a try on and decided to go a little bit more to the masculine energy side. In relationships, like I said, I tend to go more to the feminine side. So This time I was more clear about my schedule, what worked for me, still in collaboration with the other person and seeing if that matched with their availability rather than just sitting back in the past. I would just wait and see like what works for them and then I would probably move things around on my calendar to appease their schedule. So it felt very different, um, very empowering and it
1: worked. And so why do you think your impulse before this new try-on, why do you think that was to be more collaborative or to be more uh, easygoing or um, compromising? What were you getting out of that?
0: I think there's that part of me and probably just, you know, from growing up and just different messages sometimes you get as a, a female is, you know, wanting to always, you know, please the other person, not not be a problem, not be high maintenance, that sort of thing. And so I think I went too far to that side and was just not not really thinking about what was in the best interest for me. And so mm. I think just overcoming some of the programming from being younger.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a very common programming that, that women in our culture get. And I don't think only women get that, but I think it's really highly taught to women. Right. And it, it's because it's something that I've played uh, experience too, especially if you've been single for a while, mm-hmm. it does become very easy to put the connection with the other person as the most primary thing that you're looking for.
0: Right,
1: And yet driving that behavior of the over compromising and the never stepping up is fear that you're going to be alone. And so instead of creating a connection that's based in attraction to somebody, um, really enjoying somebody else's qualities. We're actually creating connection through our fear mechanisms, mm-hmm. through our fears of being alone, through our fears of failure. From, and so if you do that inherently over time, it's going to create a, a, a problem because you're going to teach yourself to disconnect from yourself. And I'm not sure how to actually have a successful long-term relationship when you're disconnected from yourself I think problems will start to come up in the future, resentments will start to come up because eventually you will have wants and needs that you become clear on and the rules of your relationship are now set up where your needs and wants don't really matter. And so it causes conflict. So I think it's an important thing for all of us to look at, and it's something I've had to look at too. Um, and it's something I still play with. and even though I'm in a current relationship currently, it's something I have to play with all the time is to actually step forward with a little bit more clarity.
0: Great points. Do you have any other scenarios you can think of where somebody's going too far to one, one end of the energy?
1: Yeah. One that comes up for me because it's a bit of my own personal journey and it's something that I've struggled with. Um, have you ever, Heidi, dated a man that felt too nice to you or felt too um, soft or too sensitive to you? Have you ever dated someone like that?
0: Yes, for sure.
1: <laughs> what did that bring up for you? <laughs>
0: Um, very, it's very uncomfortable.
1: Could you say, could you pinpoint like what about that makes you feel uncomfortable?
0: Probably figuring out how, how to react and how to be with that energy maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that I, in different points of my dating world or being single, it's the places where I can imagine that's how I came across in the dating world. And what I can see now from the other side, as I've done some work around this, and I've played with this in in my own life, but also with my clients, is is that that man that gets labeled as too nice or too sensitive or too soft and doesn't have enough of that sort of traditional masculine thing that in heteronormative relationships is sort of idealistic and what we want, is that underneath the discomfort that you might be feeling with that person is the lack of knowing self or the lack of self-identification. And in that lack of self-identification, there's almost an enmeshment that happens where if if you and I were out on a date, it almost comes across to you as though I don't know myself. I don't know what my wants and needs are. I don't know where I'm going in my life. And I need to get my needs met through you. And then it's like, whoo, that's a lot. (laughs) And so watch what it does to you as you feel somebody start to try to overly emotionally connect or overly try to connect through the feminine. What does it bring out in you?
0: Hmm. That's a a great point. And I have some other friends dealing with this right now. So that's an interesting way to look at it
1: yeah and it and it and it's interesting how as as say if i'm the if i'm on a date with a, a female i don't date females but if i was on a date with a female and i came into the um into it being a little bit more on the feminine side and trying to connect on the feminine side what it might bring out in the woman is a, is a bit more of her masculine side the boundaries the the leaning away the creating more separation because it feels too enmeshed. so that's the thing is is that when you get both the masculine and feminine are really beautiful things and they both have a divine nature to them. When you get overly using, it's just like that phrase, um, any strength used become used too much, becomes a weakness. It's if you use the feminine too much, it gets a little enmeshed, it gets sticky, it gets not enough separation between the two people, but if you swing it to the too far to the masculine, it's too individual. It's too, um, uh invulnerable it's too lacking the ability to can to actually create a connection and so there are plenty of people walking through the dating world like that too trying to um just clearly say here's my accomplishments here's my needs here's what i am and that's and you either you either meet that or you don't there's no collaboration in that there's no openness to the to the a two-way street and so it's it can be challenging to create a connection from that because there's too much individuation based in the masculine.
0: Thanks for sharing uh, those examples I think it's it's interesting to kind of now watch myself and my interactions and you know whether that's through work or other you know dating and that to see kind of where I'm falling and where I can make some adjustments as well
1: yeah this isn't just for the dating world this is in all of our interactions and in in life Um, I know as an entrepreneur I have to constantly balance my masculine and feminine energies of how, how much am I sort of driving towards some goals and how much am I actually present and connected with my clients as I'm building my My business, and I am constantly needing to flow in between that. In my coaching relationships with you, even with you or any of my clients, it's my job to provide some direct feedback, which is that masculine energy to help you be incisive into one of your patterns and help you see it so that then you can maybe potentially change it. But if I do it too masculine, then you feel hurt and you pull away and you go away. But if I do it too soft, then you might not get the benefit of the direction that we're headed. And so it's like constantly finding a, a, a different amalgamation or a different blending that works for myself, but also works for the person I'm in connection with. Great.
0: Kind of to tag along to that, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how your coaching has helped me. And you definitely have that balance and no one to push me when I might need a little bit more softness when I probably talking about some of those um, issues where I am being a little bit too on the masculine energy side. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was struggling to get my blog started and, and you challenged me to really let go of the perfectionism and my fears and set a launch date. So there, I think it was just being very hard on myself when I had a good message to get out. So without that push that you gave me, I don't think I ever would have launched. <laughs> and after launching, it was I was just overwhelmed with all the support that I received from everyone and having people reach out after I post a specific message and just the joy that I find in writing. So thank you for that. That has been definitely some, one of the amazing things that's come from this coaching relationship.
1: Mm, you're so welcome. It's been, it's been really fun to watch you actually step forward into that identity.
0: Thanks. And then I also had that man in my life that needed to go. <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> I remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Travis helped me find ways to stick to my decision when I made it and get through some of those hard times. I was resistant to blocking the guy's phone number. So we decided to give him a new name in my contact so I wouldn't be tempted to write back to him or answer his call. So I came up with Boone's Farm as his new name. (laughs) 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 My favorite, right? And that that was to remind myself, he is not a fine wine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember that session so well.
0: (laughs) So it's now been a year and a half and I have not gone back. So uh, thank you for your support in that. And that's just two of the many changes I've had in my life since coaching and can you share how else you think coaching can help a person make changes in his or her life?
1: The accountability is a really big part of coaching that as you said when you were launching your blog we we set um, achievable goals we set deadlines, we move towards that. I check in on you on those places, and so I know it, I know even my life when I have somebody else that 's holding that with me or that knows that and can hold me accountable i 'm far more likely to be successful at the things that I want to do when it 's just me holding it. I can just talk myself out of it or go to the comfort zone and not stretch myself enough and so having an accountability partner as long as it comes from a place of kindness can be a really, really supportive part of anyone's journey.
0: Great. Thank you so much. And if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way to find you?
1: Um, You can first check my website out. Um, It's travisstock.com. So T-R-A-V-I-S-S-T-O-C-K.com. You can sort of check out some of my coaching philosophies, some of the services that I offer. There's a way to contact me on there. You can also just send me an email at travisstock 3 at gmail.com. That's T-R-A-V-I-S-S-T-O-C-K-0-3 at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram handle that you could connect with me at. It's Travers03. So travers 3 It doesn't have a block on there. So you can always follow, follow my Instagram and it has links to my website on there as well.
0: Great. Thank you for sharing all of your great wisdom with me over the years and now with my podcast listeners it's been a pleasure and i always learn so much from you so thank
1: you oh you're so welcome thanks for inviting me to chat with you about this
0: Thank you for listening to the Single Soul Circle podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest, email me at singlesoulcircle at gmail.com and be sure to check out our blog at singlesoulcircle.com.